Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk About in MCO. So obviously uh, it's the it's Thursday, April 30th. We are in day 42 of uh, MCO. Uh, tomorrow is the is a public holiday. It's uh, May 1st, but it doesn't feel like anything. Obviously I'm with Alex again today. So Alex, how are you? Hi, not bad. Still uh, keeping myself safe and sane. And uh, both of us are sporting like really uh, not bad beards. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the MCO beard. He's safe at home. Uh, I'm again in the office because uh, like I said, um, doing recordings in the office is much easier for me. And uh, welcome to the show. So I just want to uh, let you guys know, thank you very much for watching. We are on podcasts. Uh, if you uh, want to listen to us instead of watch us, we're available on Spotify. Um, we're also available on Apple Podcasts. I just want to announce to everybody, we're now available on Apple Podcasts. So just search for Soya Chin Chow. The show is called Let's Talk About and we're there. So um, welcome to our show, LTA. Uh, today we're going to talk about uh, contact tracing applications. So one of the key components in curbing the spread of COVID-19 is having a really good contact tracing application. We see case studies of this happening in uh, South Korea. We see case studies of this happening in China. But one of the big things that you sacrifice when you install contact tracing applications is that privacy might be, you know, foregone because the contact tracing app needs to be location aware. That means it needs to know where you are all the time just in case you come into contact with somebody that has COVID-19. To some people, that is a huge deal. So in Malaysia, we are now starting to implement some degree of contact tracing. Uh, the application that we're using is called Gerak Malaysia. This Gerak Malaysia app has an interesting story and Alex has been covering the whole development of Gerak Malaysia from what it was and what it is used for now. This, uh, the, top, the, the show today is going to talk about, okay, what is contact tracing? Uh, what is Gerak Malaysia? Um, what's so controversial about it? And, and then also we're going to talk about, you know, whether we are okay to sacrifice privacy for the sake of, I don't know, sanity in that we can all now start going back to normalcy and going back to our day-to-day -day lives and not, not being stuck at home under movement control order. All right, so Alex, um, okay, let's start from like the really basic question because I really want to get into the more interesting topic, which is like, what is the story behind Gerak Malaysia? Because, you know, uh, there's you know a lot of issues with it, but we'll get into that later. But the most basic question right now is, what is Gerak Malaysia? Uh, Gerak Malaysia is a contact tracing app uh, that's actually developed by the MCMC, the Malaysian Communications and Multimedia Commission. And this is actually backed by the telcos. So uh, we wrote a story about this uh, about two weeks ago, uh, so on the 17th of April. Initially, this is supposed to be a purely a simple app that does contact tracing. And before this was introduced, there were other apps as well, like there is a My Suggestion app and also KJ uh, through MOSTI, the, the, through the Ministry of Science, Technology, Innovation. They are, they are also developing another contact tracing app that uses Bluetooth. And how is Grand Malaysia is different is that uh, it uses uh, location-based tracking. So it actually uses your GPS information to track where you've been as opposed to the others that's using purely on Bluetooth. Uh, technology only. Uh, after the app was uh, so-called revealed publicly, when people can start downloading and all that, interestingly, the next day, uh, the National Security Council made a tweet saying that, oh, this uh, Grab Malaysia app has not been evaluated 
and it's not even endorsed by the National Security Council. And even KJ jumped into it and said, oh, this app is not approved because it uses uh, location data. All of this suddenly had a very interesting turn when the government starts to announce that, you know, we're trying to ease the restriction order under the MCO. So I think one of the latest uh, developments that those who left for the hometowns before the MCO can start to apply for permission to return back to the city. In order to track the number of people who are planning to do the interstate travel, the police is actually using Grab Malaysia as another channel to request for permission. So that's interesting. So from an app that NSC says that, oh, you know, it's not endorsed, now it becomes like the de facto app for anyone they wish to apply to travel interstate. There's like a lot of interesting stories here. Obviously, number one is uh, KJ. So KJ was, I believe, the first one to announce that Malaysia is working on a contact tracing app. He was the first to come out to say that. And then after that, quietly, you saw the Gerak Malaysia app be uh, available publicly in uh, the Google Play Store and Apple, uh, Apple app, store. app Store. And you, uh, you could download it. And uh, Alex, you wrote the story about it. And then immediately right after that, uh, MKN came out to say, oh, this is not endorsed. And then KJ also came in and uh, because a lot of people were asking him on or oh, what what does he think about this application? And then he also said that, oh, it's not approved because it, it, it traces... Uh, location. It, it traces location. Uh, it tracks your location. But here's the thing. I mean, the master user or the person where all the app developers need to care about is Ministry of Health or at least the uh, Director General of Health. Because yep. he would know, okay, how he wants the function and, and whether contract tracing is useful or not if it's not location aware or if, if it is location aware. And we talked about this in um, our previous uh, LTA episode. You can find the link in the description below. Contract tracing applications only work, and you can see this in case studies in South Korea and also in China, it only works if it is location aware. There's no buts or ifs in terms of whether you can use Bluetooth for this to, to work or not. I've read reports that uh, Apple Apple and Google are also working on, on, a, on a contract tracing application, right? Yeah, they, there's a contract tracing uh, platform and they're going to release API for developers. So it's actually quite similar to what KJ is working on. So it uses Bluetooth. There's no location mm -hmm. uh, information. So yeah, this is a bit different. Well, and that's I only going to be available next month. Yeah, but I find that quite... Weird. Okay, so Apple and Google are working on a contract tracing application. Uh, and obviously, those are companies in the United States. And when the news broke out that uh, Apple and Google are working together to develop a contract tracing application, uh, a lot of the politicians uh, out in the United States were saying that, oh, this is an invasion of privacy. I find it weird, okay, because Google at least, okay, maybe not Apple, but Google knows almost everything about you. Yep. So Your location data, they know exactly where you've been, how many times you've been to a shop, how long you've been there, even Facebook as well. Yeah, so they trace your location, uh, whether it's anonymized, meaning that they know the location, but they don't know who that person is that's there, uh, or maybe it's not. But the thing is, that data is already available. I, I don't see why it's being a problem. Every time you use Google Maps, every time you open Facebook, every time you open... Waze. Ways. Every time you open Instagram, Twitter, the those applications will know where you are. So location location awareness is not. I, I mean, maybe I'm not seeing it the way how people are seeing it. Maybe I'm not seeing it from from that perspective. So if you guys are listening or if you're watching, maybe you can educate me on what is this 
concern about applications knowing where you are. Maybe I'm just like a normal person and I go to normal places. I'm not a VIP. I'm I'm not a super secured person. So I I don't know what what is the concern. I think well, one hmm. of it is that people don't trust their governments. But the thing is, the government knows a lot of information about you already. So if you're okay with your information being used by third-party companies, by people doing advertising, how come you're not okay with the government when the government already knows your income, your you know your EPF, your immigration status, everything? They have more information already. So what's the difference? I mean, okay, this is the this is the sentiment that's coming out in the United States, lah. And but if you've been following reports, you know that the way the United States are fighting uh, COVID nineteen is I I mean, for the lack of a better word, is very weird right now number one they are the number one country with the most people that has COVID-19 positive one million it's, it's struck over one million um, I think uh, they also have the most deaths and people are protesting the people in the states are protesting about not wanting to stay at home because they're saying yep. oh it's, it's, it's my right I want to walk wherever I want to go I, I want to stay outside that's my right it's my freedom obviously one of the ways that we can end this crisis is to the development of a vaccine and the timeline for the development of a vaccine is probably 12 to six to 18 months what's happening in the US is that number one is they, they're talking about privacy number two they're talking about freedom uh, of rights and whatever and then number three is about freedom to choose whether they want to be vaccinated or not so the anti-vaxxer movement is also huge in the US and I, I believe all these factors are contributing to the spread of the, of the, of the virus in the states. So I, I, I mention that because it's a good juxtaposition with what's happening in Asian countries. So the two successful countries, China and South Korea. So China is a bit more, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not, it's not communist, it's more authoritarian. Yep. Uh, in in terms of like okay when people when when the when the government say you do this very likely the people will follow because the rules are very strict and and it's, it's author authoritarian lah so yep. that that th that is one extreme case of of how you can handle COVID nineteen the other one is South Korea it's more liberal but the society there has a more communal mindset in a way that okay I am willing to make these sacrifices now. So that I can have a better life three, six, twelve months down the line, like in in the in the longer term. Yeah, they so, actually think of the community, not just individual. Yeah, yeah. So like in South Korea, uh, and they are one of the best case studies uh, I've seen with regards to how the right mindset and the right society and the right community really contributes to the success of combating COVID nineteen. So you see this happening in Malaysia also. So. Uh, in the beginning, uh, there was a lot of individual individualistic tendencies. Uh, number one was a lot of uh, panic buying, uh, bread finishing in shelves. Uh, uh, we don't have toilet paper finishing, so that's that's not really an issue. Uh, we we saw the tendency to be individualistic. I have to give credit to the government. I have to give credit to a lot of the media, um, and also I have to give credit to Malaysians in general that we've we've. We've overcome that. We've become better than you know ourselves. That we look beyond just us and our family. We look now to the community. So we see people who are not staying at home, people who are breaking the MCO uh, ruling, being you know singled out. 
people are now like, hey, don't like, do like that. Don't don't be the idiot, you know. And that's good because we're moving towards what so- South Korea has become. They are willing to sacrifice privacy. They're willing to follow the rules. They're willing to, you know, susahkan diri sedikit as long as everybody in the community is protected. So uh, they wear, now nowadays they still wear masks. Social distancing is still a big deal. Uh, and I mentioned this in, in our previous episode. I'm also, the way I observe this, and again, viewers and listeners, we are watching, you agree, you disagree, you have, a, you have a comment on this. Please put them in the comment section. Please let us know what you think as well. Because this is my perspective. Maybe you have a, uh, maybe if you're a doctor or you're a frontliner that's, that's seen the front line, that, that, that has a different perspective of what's going on, I, I want to know. Because, you know, that, that, that gives me more knowledge. And, and our other viewers and listeners, it gives them more knowledge. But what I'm seeing is that we, we are willing to make that sacrifice. We as Malaysians, we are willing to make that sacrifice. What's your thought on this? I think uh, as we enter like the fourth phase of MCU, I think people are, are becoming uh, how could it, aware that why is this uh, restricted movement is necessary in the first place. Because we are seeing uh, good results right now. The numbers are coming down. I think for almost two weeks straight, we've been recording less than 100 cases, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple of spikes in the past few days, and that's mainly from returning Malaysians. Mm-hmm. They come back. And like, like you said, right? Uh, initially, people are quite defensive. They say, why are we doing this? Like, for example, uh, when the government announced uh, hotels as uh, quarantine zones, some people are ap- apprehensive. Like, why are we wasting money on these people? Why can't they just quarantine at home? And the thing is, it looks like that move is actually uh, very helpful in containing the spread of disease because um, I think there are, I don't have exact numbers, but 100 over students or Malaysians that came up overseas, they were tested being COVID-19 positive during quarantine and that actually helped to reduce the spread. Imagine if these people isolate at home and if let's say they have elderly or other family members at home, that could increase the numbers. So I think... I think Malaysians, they begin to realize that, you know, this, this move is good. Uh, I think a lot of people are supportive of MCO. At the same time, if you want to go back to our normal life, uh, we need to make sure that we bring down numbers as fast as possible. And that's only possible if everyone adheres to the MCO directive. And even um, the Director General has emphasized several times, you know, we have good numbers. But the COVID-19 cases may surge if somebody takes it for granted, if we put our, our guts down, if you think that, oh, it's normal, it's le- less than 10, we can go out to, you know, uh, Maka Maka and Mama, gather together and all that. The thing is, even after the MCO is lifted, we need to embrace a new normal. Social distancing is still a must. Uh, we still need to, to wash our hands frequently and all that. And I think it's time for us to get used with the new normal. Okay, so it's interesting that you mentioned the new normal. So one of the elements, well, we, we, we should embrace the new normal until at least a vaccine is found. Because once MCO is lifted, it doesn't mean that COVID-19 doesn't exist anymore. It's still there. And you've pointed it, domestic cases have gone down to below 30 or somewhere around there. Yesterday, it was, uh, so it's the 30th of April today. Uh, Yesterday, Wednesday, it was, it went up to 90 plus. And 72 of the 90 plus cases were imported cases. Today I saw on the on the news I saw on Malay Mail um I think a number of uh, students from Indonesia about 30 or 40 students from Indonesia that are flying back to Malaysia uh, before they uh, boarded their planes they were screened and they were found to be covid-19 positive um or something um, yep. 
And they and, denied boarding. Yeah, they were denied boarding. So that is like 38, which is like now the daily number of cases domestically. So imagine if those people came back and they were in contact with everybody else. The the cases could easily flare up again to 100, to 200, and we're back again to square one. What is the new normal, right? One of the aspects of the new normal is this, not to say you being liberal with your privacy or your location, but it's to not to say sacrifice because I don't know what's the word. Because I I don't feel that we should have an issue with location because there are applications that know our locations intimately. Yeah. I mean, I I tell people, look, Google knows you better than your wife or your partner or your girlfriend or your boyfriend, and they say why. Well, here's a simple test: Would you reveal your search history? To your partner, I don't know. I I don't feel comfortable doing that. What about you, listeners and viewers? Uh, put your answer in 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 the comments. Would you reveal your Google search history to your wife or your partner or your girlfriend or your boyfriend? I would think the answer would predominantly be no, or you know, more politically correct as okay, I'm not comfortable with that. But here's the thing: Google knows that about you. And Google yeah. knows where you are. Google knows where, what you're looking for. Google Google knows you more intimately than any anybody else. Yeah. Also, and they have your your con- your contact list, your photos. They have all that. Your login. Yes. <laughs> it, it knows your passwords because you let Google remember your passwords. And Google is doing that for the benefit of themselves. It's not the benefit of us. You know, mostly yeah. it's for them lah. Not not for us. Yeah, for so, us, is they say convenience. Oh, it's so easy, you know. Just give everything to Google. Let them handle it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's for the sake of convenience, right? So, I I I mean, if you if you if you are still opposed to installing a contact tracing app because the contact tracing app will know where you are, and you don't trust the government, I think you need to relook at your perspective and relook at your priorities. Yes, the government knows where you are. Will there be like a risk that the government will use this application to do other things? I don't know. I mean, we discussed about this, right, Alex? And there were some yep. discussions about what the app is being used for and what the app is not being used for. Okay, what will the what was the app designed for? So contact tracing is a very like generic term. Correct. So can you break down specifically what was the app designed for? Okay, so the app is designed to be very lightweight from the start. So the sole purpose is to do uh, contact tracing. So how it works is that um, it uses your location data and it traces where you've been. So how long you've been in the house, and then you you go out. Let's say you go to the grocery store to buy your essentials. You go to the market. If you take public transport, you head to a workplace, especially if you're an essential worker. So that will be recorded through the app, and that's being sent to a secured server locally. So so how. This thing becomes useful is that let's say for example if you're going through a roadblock, mm. um, the police will you can just scan the QR code that's generated from the app to find out whether are you let's say are you safe are you allowed to travel or not from the simple application, and the same thing goes with uh, seeking for healthcare. So like for example hospitals, like we mentioned um, in the last episode that there's a lot of irresponsible people you know going to the hospital saying that oh I'm not in contact with any COVID-19 positive patients. And it turns out they are, and it actually affects the whole operations. Mm. So with this app, uh, when you go to the hospital, you can just show the QR code, and the frontliner can scan the code and determine whether you're high risk or not. Mm. So if let's say you go in there for let's say I'm having a mild flu, so they can just scan the QR code and find out. Okay, based on your history you, from the app, 
they will know whether you'll be into a like high risk zone. If you are a high risk, they can assign you to a different lane to go straight to the actual screening. If you're safe, yeah, you can go to the normal uh, outpatient admission. After the recent announcement that people can travel interstate, this app has evolved. So now it becomes more like a permission app. Mm -hmm. So uh, right now, the, the first priority is to use this app to for people to register uh, permission to go interstate. Because uh, I think we mentioned this before, that uh, before the MCO was imposed on the 18th of March, there was like a huge like exodus, you know. I think mm -hmm. 300 over 1,000 people have left the cities to their city hometowns because mm -hmm. people think that it's, it's a holiday. <laughs> it's a holidays one, but of course they they won't be stuck. Mm. It's like as if Berlin's making a wall in between the city. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I'll be just rush back home without thinking yeah. about anything. Mm. And obviously with the recent lifting of the MCO gradual lifting, so some services are open and some people need to go back to work. There's a need for these people to return back to the city. Mm. And in order to do that, the government needs to know how many people are coming back, where are they traveling, how many people are traveling. The manual way is to go to the police station. Of course, that was disastrous, like what we've seen before the MCO. People just rushed to the police station in huge groups, and that's a very high risk of another exposure of COVID-19. Mm. So to make it more easier is to get people to download this app and to request permission from the app itself. Right now, the app is quite um, quite basic. So if you want to register to travel interstate, you just tap on the, the travel interstate button and they, they just register your interest. So right now, it's the research interest uh, eventually, there should be a new update which will request for more information like where are you right now, where are you traveling to, and also how many people are traveling with you. Mm. So that will be, I think, should be coming out pretty soon because the government will look into the data after 1st of May and then they will come up with the proper SOPs for the interstate travel because as of now, interstate travels are not permitted. And on top of that, as mentioned by the senior minister, uh, Ismail Sabri Yaakob, the current ruling is one person per car. So you can't travel with your whole family right now. So a lot of things need to be done before they let people travel interstate. But uh, now now they allow two, two, two people in, in one car, right? Yeah, but that's only for uh, essential uh, shopping. So if you want to go to the shop to buy things from the supermarket, to buy medicine, you're, to, you're allowed to do so. But you still can't travel interstate just yet. Okay, so the, the benefit of having a location-aware app like uh, Grab Malaysia is number one, uh, there's no ambiguity. You cannot lie where you've been. There's a QR code. So you, you download the app, you fill in your details, right? Yep. Uh, and then you, you agree grant permission. To, you, agree, you grant permission to, for the app to trace your location. And then it will generate a QR code. So for from the app, so this QR code is like GrabPay, right? That the yeah, utilization of the yeah the utilization of the QR code is like GrabPay, in a way that if you go to checkpoints where the police or the hospital or even your workplace will require for you to scan the QR code, it's super easy to determine that you've you're from a green area, you're from a red area, or you've you've delivered in a red area. It just makes it faster, more convenient. Um, there's no ambiguity. And, and it's secure, right? So it's uh, developed by uh, MCMC. You've mentioned that it's endorsed by the telcos. What does that mean? So what I do know is that uh, when they first roll out the app, they get all the telco guys to test it out internally within the staff. It's not just because of testing, right? Or is, is this information that we cannot divulge? Uh, I first came to know about it because I, I know some friends from telcos. They told mm. me they've been tested internally. Okay, so so telcos are involved because telco also have your your data, right? Telcos uh, know when you're connected to cell towers. They know yep. uh, what kind of websites you browse. Uh, they, they they know all that, but it's information that they don't divulge. 
and it's not used against you. By the way, is this app? Uh, does this app cover PDPA? Do you have like a PDPA disclaimer in the application? Uh, I've not seen yet, but I do know that uh, this information that's collected from the app, right, is only valid during the MCO and up to six months after the MCO. You know, you you can uninstall it if you don't want to use it, right? Yeah. So in fact, actually, after the MCO is lifted and after the whole crisis is uh, over, they actually encourage you to uninstall the app because it's mm. not going to be used. And yeah. from what I know is that uh, the information uh, for the contact tracing is only going to be shared to uh, MOH. And you know MOH, right? They actually have like this uh, patient confidentiality. Uh-huh. Yeah. They cannot use the information for marketing purposes and all that. Yeah, so essentially, the information is actually safer with them compared to Facebook and Google. Yeah, because um, even with the people who have COVID cases, they don't reveal the names. They just reveal them as patient what, 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 the number, yeah. uh, the number. So Maybe the age, age and gender, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it, it comes to the point that we're trying to make with this, uh, with this show today, right? What is contact tracing? Why is it important? What is this Grab Malaysia app? So we know that contact tracing is important because we, we don't know the strangers and sometimes even our family members we don't know where they've been we don't know where who they've been in contact with or whether they've been in the vicinity so yep. again south korea has a very good uh, implementation of this once a person has been identified to be covid-19 positive right the app will uh, will go into will trace back the the location that this person has been right and yep. alerts will be issued to everybody that's been within that f- vicinity and At then time this, yeah, at that time. And this this data, I mean, the generalized version of this data is available as an API. That allows website developers to use that data to create resource pages. So that allows, if you want to travel, so let's say if I do my groceries as a, at, at Giant, for example, how do I know if that Giant has a person that has been COVID positive there? Yep. Right now, we only depend on new, news reports, which is not usually, not usually is fast, but not as fast. And then we also depend on Facebook. And fake news, which is ev- which is worse. Correct. So, the the data that's available will make this very useful for everybody. And if this is the new normal, if this is something that we have to live with for the next six to twelve months, I don't see why why this is bad. Yeah, and also nothing about contract tracing, right? Okay, imagine if there's no contract tracing app, and let's say this guy walks into the hospital and then he got post- tested positive. Mm. Obviously, the the authorities want to find out. Where have you been for the past 14 days? Who can remember where they've been 14 days? I don't remember, I don't even remember what I had for lunch two days ago. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very good point. I don't even remember. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. That's good. That's a good point. Yeah. And even if you don't want to lie, even if you want to tell the truth, you can't remember. And that, that just slows down the rate at how fast we can recover. Yeah, because like there are some cases, I think it's really proved, it's really uh, confirmed that people can spread disease even they don't show symptoms. Yeah. So imagine it's like 14 days, like where have you been? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> Which station have you been? What time you go to the station? You can't remember all that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and, and authorities need to know this because then, okay, if, because they, they need to know where, they, where, the, where the case came from. Yeah. Yes, the, the daily announcement, the, the director general uh, talks about, okay, this is from this cluster, this is this cluster. There's one caveat there, and I think you all don't know this. The caveat is the data is only as good as the input that's, the, that's, been, uh, that's been received. Correct. So it's based on a lot of, okay, I trust you, okay, I check, I check, I check, check. and there's a lot of discrepancy and human error uh, available there. So... You know, I, I think what 
what I wanted to to set out to achieve when 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 doing the show today was to make it clear that contact tracing is super important. Number one, number two is contact tracing only works if it's location aware. Now I am not as smart as the people in Apple or the people in Google uh, that are developing another application that is apparently not location aware. And I don't know if there is any other way for this to work. There has not been, at least to my knowledge, a case study that shows how a community can work or how can people survive COVID-19 without proper contact tracing. Either you are super honest or you're super good with your memory of where you've been. But an, an application that is location aware really helps with this. Now, the flip side of this is a Bluetooth contact tracing application. Yeah, so, so how, how does that work? Instead of getting like precise location information, it actually tracks based on you know proximity test, uh, proximity tracking. So it detects other Bluetooth devices that's near you. Mm -hmm. So there's a few um, drawbacks because of that. Like for one, if let's say you're staying at home, mm -hmm. you could you could be tracing other Bluetooth devices, even your neighbor, especially staying in an apartment, and they could be falsely flagged as a high risk person, mm. and that only works if everyone installs the same app. So mm. let's say, for example, if you go to a, like a rural area and not everyone has smartphones, you won't be able to get any, you can't even get much useful information because the density is actually quite low because it only tracks based on, on, on close uh, nearby Bluetooth devices. Well, I guess the argument of whether you need an application can also be set for Gerak Malaysia. Lah. Yeah, but at least if let's say I'm a positive case, mm. at least they know where I've been. So let's say if you use a Bluetooth app, right? If everywhere you pass by doesn't have a Bluetooth device, then that information is missing. Oh, okay. So what you're saying is that it requires... Okay, so it's basically tracing via Bluetooth. Lah. That means it's connecting yes. more dots because um, if your proximity with this person, this person has Bluetooth, okay, we know that you've been there. and then In contact, it, yeah. Yeah, it's like how much of Bluetooth, Bluetooth dots that you're connected to, lah, right? I yes, don't know whether correct. I'm des describing this properly. Essentially, yep. it's the same thing. But it's just another layer. It's not. Yeah. It's not a direct, um, direct tracing of your location. And again, location aware and location tracking and location tracings are tracing is uh, two completely different things. So location tracking is tracking you in real time. That means I'm here when I'm when I move out to go home. It knows that okay, I'm going home. Uh, it knows what road I take to go home yeah, in real time. That's important because. When you travel, right, you're going to be touching a lot of things. You're touching the handles, the handrails, mm. doors, and mm. those actually are very important things to consider because if you have that information and if the person is a confirmed case, the authorities can trace back and perform sanitation at those hotspots. Mm. That's the difference. Yeah. yeah. So, I don't know. Bluetooth, um, like you mentioned, I, I don't know if it's, if it's going to work. Okay, Singapore has a contact tracing, tracing app, right? Do you remember yep. what's it called? I can't. I can't remember the name. Uh, hang on a second. It's trace. Uh, trace together. Yes. Okay. Is yep. it location aware? Uh, it's not. It's using Bluetooth. And the difference with Grab Malaysia is that um, it doesn't send information to a server. It's actually stored on the phone. So it's only used when I think when you go to the hospital. Then then that's how they get, they retrieve information. Yeah. So when it's required, it'll be it'll be pulled out from your phone, lah. Right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So. I know that the people who are developing this, and I know this for a fact, I know the people who are developing this, the people who are be, the minds behind Gerak Malaysia have the best interests of the public in mind because they are aware that they are going to use this application as well. 
So they've built in all these measures and and restrictions to to be, make sure that the app is as safe as it can possibly be. The other element that is an issue here and it's already happening in the US is that the application is being politicized. In a way that, okay, KJ came out to say that they're developing an application. I think he announced that he was developing an application. Uh, Middle, during, I think early April. Early of the MCO. And we haven't seen anything yet. To be honest, the application doesn't have to be super complicated. It's not a mapping app. It's not a Facebook. It's not a social media app. It's just an app that traces where, that tra- that that keeps the data of where you've been. And when that data is being pulled out, the server will correlate that data with the data that it has of people that's that's been COVID positive in the areas that you've been. That's that's all it does. A lot of the processing doesn't happen on the on the phone anyway. It happens in the server when the data gets pulled out. I don't think it takes a lot of time to develop such an application. So I don't know what's going on with KJ's app. I mean, he announced it. He hasn't provided um, regular updates of what's going on whether it's in beta or whatever. Uh, Gerak Malaysia wasn't announced. It came out of the blue. It came out of the blue from MCMC. Um, obviously, when MCMC developed this uh, and, uh, and um, allocated resource to the development and testing of this, somebody must have given the order to, to also tell the telcos, okay, telcos, we need you to test this. We need you to download as, uh, get as many of your employees to download this. There must be a reason for that. On the flip side also, there must be a reason why MKN quickly came out to say that this hasn't been endorsed. There must also be a reason why KJ came out to say, hey, this is not approved. I mean, he is in no place to say that because he didn't develop the app. It could, he could very easily just say, oh, uh, uh, this is something that's beyond me. I, I'm not aware of this or I know the app exists. Uh, I've seen it, but you know, I didn't develop it. I don't know who develops it. And I'm or, just not... simply, or just simply say, uh, I think you need to refer back to uh, National Security Council. Yeah, so for him to strike it down tells me that there is something going on. So mm-hmm. MKN goes out and says, okay, it's not endorsed. And then KJ strikes it down. And then I think a few days after that, MKN goes out and says, oh, you need to download this app. Yeah, which is weird. <laughs> and then PDRM goes out and says, oh, you need to download this app. Even and Asia all... also do that also. Yeah, so Asia goes out to say, oh, you need to download this app. And all this doesn't happen automatically. There are people higher up there in the management or in the leadership that's saying, hey, we need this. There is like an element of this application being politicized. And the question is why? The simple answer is, well, everybody wants to be a hero. Somebody's going to claim that they did something. And the easiest, not the easiest, the most critical component right now, we have the healthcare professions. They are doing a wonderful job. We have the, the, the frontliners, the security prof, uh, the security people, the police, the, the, the army, uh, the RELA that's helping out, the police bantuan that's helping out. We, ha- we have that. They are, they are doing a splendid job. And then we have people in the logistics, right? The delivery people, uh, people in MITI, okay, not splendid, but okay. They're doing an okay job, still allowing the economy to move on. My point is that the most critical component beyond health, beyond having a space and capacity to handle cases, beyond security and, and services, is contact tracing. And that component is not yet available in Malaysia. And that component could really turn the tides and could really make 
us uh, make MCO shorter, much much shorter than what it is now. Yep. Having a workable contract tracing application in Malaysia could could be the answer to the the next best thing to having a vaccine. To be honest, if I understand this correctly, people are just the people the the powers that be are just waiting to be the one to claim that they develop a useful contract tracing application. But but what I, what I believe is that uh, okay whatever whatever the possibilities are, um, contract tracing will allow us to to resume back to a, like a new normal life. Like for example, I want to bring a point that in South Korea, right? Uh, mm. They managed to contain the spread of the disease without implementing any lockdowns, and mm-hmm. that's because of contact tracing. Yes, without the yeah. MCO, because and, of contact yeah. tracing application. Correct, yes, you're right. Yeah, and yeah. at the same time, you look at Singapore; they have the Bluetooth-based <laughs> Bluetooth tracing. They launched that app, and a few years later, they know they couldn't they couldn't control it. They had to implement uh, their own lockdown, or it's called a, CB. a circuit break. Yeah, CB, yeah, circuit breaker. Yeah. And what I read earlier is that after two weeks, right, the adoption rate is very low. I think it's like ten percent because there's no motivation for people to install the app like why do you want to install this app but at least for Malaysia I guess the 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 repurposing it for approval for interstate travel I think it has helped make this app more how could that mandatory so I think more people are installing this app because they want to travel instead and I think that actually helps to increase the adoption rate in Malaysia and for yeah. what we've seen from the app right looks mm-hmm. like in the next, maybe in the near future, you probably need to use this app to pass through any roadblocks very soon. I think what the Malaysian government is doing is like super smart. Or oh, whoever that is like making the decision on this Gerak Malaysia app is super smart. Because what they're doing is like you said, in Singapore, people don't see the need, right? The adoption rate is low. In Malaysia, um, the, adop- the adoption rate wasn't that great. But uh, when we were looking at the application, we noticed that it was trending, right? In health and fitness yep. uh, among the top 10. Uh, yep. When it was first launched, uh, that means the download rate is high uh, yep. uh, for the period of time, and the the government is being really smart because it's injecting a need for the use of of, of this application. I need to move from my hometown to Kuala Lumpur or to yep. to a city, and because it's Ramadan or whatever, or because I need to move back because work is going to start soon. So Miti has just announced that uh, businesses that are allowed to to operate uh, essential services that are allowed to operate can now op- operate at, at full capacity or something like that. And it's smart because people are downloading. And I, I've read report. I think, Eric, you wrote it's about 100,000 requests, right? I think that was on the after after 24 hours. I think now mm-hmm. should be... No, Over 300,000. I think three days ago, it was uh, 250,000 applications. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, doing this manually, you will not have the capacity to handle things like that, right? Yeah, because imagine if 300,000 people wish to travel for interstate travel, that's 300,000 people at a police station. That's going to be crazy. Yeah, And for even... police to do it manually by hand, that's going to be a nightmare. Yeah. I don't know how many p- people we have in the police force, but, you know, you could be, it could very well be one person handling 10,000 applications, at least. I'm just proud lah, to be in Malaysia because we're, we're doing this so well. Like Singapore, <laughs> I really don't know what happened, man. Um, the contact tracing didn't work. You know why? The key, the secret sauce here, right? The secret sauce here is the community mindset. So Singapore, the kiasu attitude, and they are very skewed to Americans. I mean, as a c- culture and a society. Again, guys, if you disagree, this is just my perspective. You just, if you disagree, put them in the comment section below. We're, we're happy to discuss. This is let's talk about. So let's talk about, right? So I think Singaporeans are very individualistic 
And because of that, the society that is very individualistic will find it very difficult to fight COVID-19. I don't have the data, but I can see a trend here. So again, China, South Korea, Japan. China, again, is, a, is, a, is an outlier here because of the, of the government. But South Korea and Japan, they, they are doing better because of the society. And I'm, and I'm, I'm happy because in Malaysia, we, we, we started with like an individual tendency. But the community is stronger now. I see a lot of uh, people uh, coming out. You know, so I noticed early in uh, the MCO, we started saying "stay safe" to everybody. You know, before we sign off, we say "stay safe," and I think that's very sweet. Uh, I noticed that there's a lot more compassion to the delivery boys. So I notice on I see in my timeline a lot of people are starting to whenever they receive a delivery, they give them some some drinks or some makan so that you know they are they it's just a nice gesture and this 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 sense of community and this sense of okay I'm doing this for the community even though it's troublesome for me for me this is like a beginning of probably a better malaysia and if this is the new normal right why not it's a malaysia that's less polluted it's a malaysia that's more pleasant because everybody's like more friendly <laughs> it's a malaysia yeah. that's uh, that's that have more space. That means when I line up, I don't get people pushing me from the back. Like <laughs> you pushing me from the back, it's not gonna get any faster, dude. Just, yeah. just look in front of me. So I don't know, man. I think I think it's gonna be better. And the other thing also about this new normal, right? I I I hate the term new normal because it feels like whether COVID nineteen uh, wins or not, it has defeated us because we've we've accepted this new new thing which we call a new normal i i don't want to say that you call it temporary normal because <laughs> eventually we will go back to our normal self once the vaccine is found and that's my point my point is that not a new normal but let's get back to normalcy like i mentioned in the previous episode right i don't want to talk about covid19 anymore i don't want to how bad the economy any, is anymore we are in the middle of it we know that the economy is bad. We know that, that COVID-19 is going to affect us. But I want to talk about the future. I want to talk about, okay, what can we do now to make things better? What can we do now? What, what, what do we need to change? Not, not to talk about, okay, social distancing. Not to talk about we need to wash our hands more. No. What do we need to change in the way that we live so that we can fight this, number one, and we can survive this and we can survive this if it happens again. Yeah, but I think moving forward, I think, uh, I think like what we discussed uh, last episode is that I think this crisis has made everyone realize how important the internet is. So I think mm. that's where I think the governments and authorities will, you know, uh, realize that, you know, we should spend more in infrastructure. I think that's very important because there's still a lot of places in Malaysia that has, that doesn't have access to high-speed internet. So that's mm. something that I think Governments everywhere should be investing in. Yes, and that's another very good point. So the what if even if you want to call this the new normal, right? The new normal means a more connected Malaysia. The new normal means a more aware Malaysia. More cashless no Malaysia. A more cashless Malaysia, a more innovative Malaysia, a, a cleaner Malaysia, a Malaysia with less pollution. Yes, if that is the new normal that we all agree, then yes, I agree that that I want to live in that new normal. But if we Keep thinking like the new normal is like, oh, you know, doom and gloom. Uh, businesses are closing. We don't have a way to survive. We're waiting for our government to give us hand, handouts. 
No, I don't want to talk about that. Because I'm not saying I don't want to talk about that because I'm not affected. I that's a lie because everybody's affected. I'm affected. Yep. I'm I'm concerned, I'm anxious, I have anxiety. I can't sleep. I mean, we're running our own business here and and it, it, it's everybody's affected. So I think the, top, the 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 topic should be what new opportunities that this whole situation has given us. Yes. So, yeah. So I I refuse I refuse to talk about the bad things because I I want to look I want to look at what can we do, right? How can we make this better? So what is the point that we're talking about? So the point is and we're we're almost running out of time. The point that I'm trying to make today is that how the ans- the question is how can we make it better, right? One of the ways to make this better is If there is a question on whether your privacy is going to be sacrificed for the greater good, which is to defeat COVID-19 and to make MCO shorter, do not even discuss about it, lah. Seriously, do not even talk about it. Yes, understand that you know privacy. I mentioned in my in the previous episode, privacy is a, is a construct. Rory commented that it's not, it's not. Yes, I agree. It's not a construct. I want to say that it's a bit more liberated. It's not. Yes, you need to protect your privacy, but if you're not doing anything bad, and if you're not, if you're a normal person like me, and we don't go to brothels or you, <laughs> you know, you, you don't go to places where you don't want your wife to know, then this is fine. This is fine. We have to do this. If there is a call for everybody to download Gerak Malaysia or to download whatever contact tracing application that's endorsed by the government to make MCO shorter, embrace it. And make it happen, and 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 just do it, guys. So that's the point that I want to make in this show. Okay. So Alex, uh, what do you think uh, before we end the show? Fully agree with that. And uh, I think, like how we mentioned, right, we should think about our, uh, the whole community as a whole, not as an individual. Yes, uh, some people have privacy concerns, but you think about as a community that this will help to contain the spread of disease. I think this is something that all of us should support it. Like what Dr. Noh Hisham said, right? Uh, a few criteria that we need to to consider before we can leave the MCO, and one of it is our ability to control the spread of disease. And mm. this contract tracing app is crucial in ensuring that. Mm. So if there's any new outbreak, we can find out who's affected, where they've been, and we can contain the spread even if MCO is lifted. Okay, and with that, that is the end of the show, everybody. So just to recap, you know, make sure you download the, the contact tracing app if you are required to do so. As always, uh, we love to hear from you, your comments, your suggestions, your discussion. I mean, if you agree, you don't agree with the things that we say, uh, with the things that I say or Alex say, let us know in the in the in the comment section below. Let's have a healthy discussion uh, about a healthy, insightful and informative discussion about the topics that we talk about in the LTA. I mean, that's the idea of the show. It's to to get everybody to be in a better state than before. So if you come to watch the show without the knowledge and you go like, oh, I didn't know that, I didn't know that and then you left with more information that you came with, I'm very happy with that. Or if we are we are putting information that's not correct, or you dis- disagree and you have facts or or, or or information to back it up, you're more than welcome to put it in the comment section below. We're more than happy to hear this from you guys. Okay, so that's pretty much it. Thanks very much for watching. As always, this is uh, um, 
I enjoy watching. Uh, I, I enjoy, sorry. Thank you very much for watching. This that's pretty much uh the show for today. Give us a thumbs up if you like the show. If you're listening to us on podcast, uh, make sure you give us a five star review if you enjoy listening to LTA. Uh, that helps us a lot in pro, uh, uh, growing our content in the podcast realm. Uh, if you have any comments, suggest suggestions on how we can improve our podcast, do also let us know. Um, please do subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. And if you have any comments, suggestions, leave them down in the comment below. As always, thanks very much for watching. This is Amin. This is Alex. And that has been Let's Talk About. Uh, this is the 30th of April uh, 2020. Um, catch you guys later. And see ya. Bye. Bye.